seated. Thank you so much for being here today. Today we are uh, kicking off a new series that we're going to be in today and the next uh, three Sundays. And I want you to know that as we go through this series, my prayer is that we would have some walls that are broken down. My prayer is that we would have walls broken down in our relationship with God, that we would have walls broken down in our families, that we would have walls uh, broken down in our marriages. And uh, because I believe that there is this point, that sometimes we get to this point where uh, we can either have a spiritual breakthrough or a spiritual breakdown. And so we're going to be talking about breaking through in this series. You know, it's been said that Benjamin Franklin lived his life by 13 different virtues. And he had a notebook, kind of his own little personal journal, and every time he broke one of those virtues, he would get out that notebook and he would write down on the page the date, he would write down the virtue that he broke and how he broke it. And so he started to write in that journal and eventually because of all of his self-perceived failures that he had written down, he got to the point where he was at the end of the notebook, the notebook was all filled up, and when that notebook was filled up, guess what he did? He went back and he erased everything that was in that notebook and he started over. And because he continued to have all these self-perceived failures, he just continued to write and write and write. And when he would fill up the notebook, he would erase it all and he'd start over again. And then he'd write some more. And when he'd fill up the notebook, he would start all, he would erase everything, start all over and write again. And eventually it got to the point that he had written down so many failures and had erased in the notebook so many times that there were holes on the pages and he was no longer able to use that notebook. Now I realize that maybe for some of you, I've just described your heart. I mean, maybe you've got some virtues that you try to live your life by, or maybe you have some standards that you try to live by, or maybe you've got some expectations of what your life should be like, or maybe you have some expectations of what your life should look like as you follow Jesus. And as you have failed at some of those virtues, or you haven't lived up to your standards, or or you've fallen short of the expectations you've set for yourself, or maybe you've experienced some disappointment in life, you've just kind of written all that on your heart. And you keep track, and you keep track, and you keep track until you lose track. And once you lose track, you just kind of erase everything, and you start all over. And you write some more, and you write some more, and you write some more. All these self-perceived failures that you have, you write all these things down, and then you erase them, and you continue to write. And now you sit here this morning, and your heart is full of holes. And you're at a point where you're either going to have a spiritual breakdown, or you're going to have a spiritual breakthrough. And today, I want us to start having a spiritual breakthrough, and that begins with repentance. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Now, this is a really important passage that we're going to look at today. And so I want to encourage as many of us as possible to open up our Bibles. So if you brought your book with you, you can open that up to Psalm 51. If you've got your Bible on your mobile device, you can open that up. If you need to use the one there in the seat pocket in front of you, go ahead and grab that Bible. Open it up to Psalm 51. I mean, this is going to be really important what we're going to talk about today. And so I'd love for as many of us as possible to open up a Bible to Psalm 51. Uh, 51. Now, before we go much further into this message time, I think it's important for us to define what repentance really is, because repentance is kind of a fancy church word. And in its very simplest definition, repentance is basically a change of mind that results in a change of action. It's this decision to walk away from sin. It's this decision that I'm no longer going to live my life the way that I think it should be lived, but I'm going to live life the way that God says it should be lived. It's this decision that I'm going to allow God to fill the holes that are in my heart so that I can have more of him, so that I can be closer to him, so that I can grow deeper in him. 
Now, I had you turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is written by David, and I want to kind of set the stage of what's going on here because it's really important for us to understand the background of what's happening here in Psalm 51, all right? David is the king of Israel, and the king of Israel is a really important position, and even though he's the king of Israel, David lived far from a perfect life, all right? While David is king, and I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of what's going on here. You can find all this in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12 on your own later on, okay? But while David is the king of Israel, the Israelites are in the middle of this war. And there's this night where David can't sleep, and so he gets up from his bed, and he goes up to the roof of the palace, and he's walking around. And while he's up on the roof of the palace, he sees a woman named Bathsheba bathing. And the Bible says that Bathsheba is very beautiful. Now, the Bible also says that Bathsheba is married to a guy named Uriah. But David doesn't care that, that uh, she's married to Uriah. Uriah, by the way, is out fighting for King David and the Israelites in the war. And so David doesn't care that Bathsheba is married. He eventually has somebody go and get her. And before it's over, he sleeps with her, and Bathsheba becomes pregnant. And so now David's got a hole in his heart, right? And so David sends for Uriah. And Uriah comes to the palace, and he gives David a report on what's happening in the war. And so uh, before it's all over, David eventually sends Uriah back out into the war, and he sends word to the commander of the army to put him on the front line where the fighting is the fiercest and then have all the soldiers withdraw withdraw from him so that he's standing there by himself so that he'll be struck down and killed. And that's exactly what happens. And so now David's got several holes in his heart, right? I mean, he slept with a woman who's not his wife. He's had an affair. He sends her husband back out on the front line. He has all the soldiers withdraw withdraw and he's deliberately killed now after this there's a prophet named nathan who comes to david and nathan tells david this story he says there's these two guys that lived in the same town one was a very rich man and one was a very poor man and the rich man had all kinds of livestock he had lots of cattle he had lots of sheep but the poor man had one little ewe lamb that he was able to buy And Nathan tells David that this poor guy, that he shared his food and his drink with the lamb. He allowed the lamb to sleep in his arms. In fact, Nathan says that the lamb becomes like a daughter to this poor guy. And then one day, there's this traveler that comes into town. And the traveler goes to the rich man. And the rich man, rather than drawing from all of his livestock, rather than getting a a cattle or a sheep from his livestock to prepare for a meal... In the story that Nathan tells David, the the rich man goes to the poor man and takes the lamb, this lamb that this poor guy has raised, this lamb that this poor guy uh, has become like a daughter to him, the rich man takes that lamb and he prepares that lamb for the meal. And the Bible says that when David hears this story, that he burns with anger and he says that the rich man deserves to die. And Nathan looks right at David and says, you know what, David, you are that man. And at that moment, David realizes that he sinned. David realizes that he's got all these holes in his heart. David realizes that he's got this wall that's been put up between him and God and his relationship with him, that there's this wall that needs to be torn down. David realizes that he needs more of God in his life, that he has a sin that he needs to change his mind about that results in a change of action. And so he writes Psalm 51 after all this happens. I mean, Psalm 51 is written in the shadow of everything that I just talked about, all right? And so I'm going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse 12. And I want you to follow along with me here this morning. And as we're reading this, I want you to think about everything that's happened with David here. He slept with a a, a married woman. She's pregnant. He he has her husband come to the palace. He gets a report on the war. He eventually sends the husband back out on the front lines. And the husband is deliberately killed. And so it's in light of all this. Think about all this. And we get to verse 1. Look at what David says. He says, have mercy on me, O God. 
according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and get gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now, I'm going to tell you that in these 12 verses, there's a lot that's going on. In fact, there's so much going on here that, quite frankly, I just don't have the time to address and talk about everything that David has written here. So here's what I want us to do this morning. We're going to kind of pick this uh, Psalm 51 apart, and I want us to just focus on the things that David does as he repents. These things that David does as he comes before God, all right? And so you can take some notes there on the back of your uh, bulletin if you'd like, and you can kind of follow along this morning. First of all, to break through in repentance, we need to plead guilty. We need to plead guilty. It's as simple as that. If, if we're going to repent, if we're going to walk away from our sin, if we're going to have a change of mind that leads to a change of action, then we have to admit the guilt of our sin. We have to admit that we sin. Now, let's just get this right out in the open from the get-go, right? All right, from the very beginning of this message, all right? All of us sin. All of us sin. There's not one of us who bats a thousand all the way through life. In fact, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us, we've fallen short of the expectations that God has for us. In fact, the Bible says that if you say you don't sin, then that's a sin. Look at what John says in the New Testament. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. And so you can say that you don't sin if you want, but the Bible says if you say you don't sin, then you're just lying to yourself and you're making God out to be a liar. And so the first step to tearing down the walls in your relationship with God is to admit that you're guilty of sinning. Now, I want us to go back to Psalm 51 and I want us to see how this plays out with David. Right off the bat, in verse 1, he pleads guilty. Look at what he says. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Now jump down to verses 3 and 4. David says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now jump down to verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. And so David comes before God and he pleads with God to blot out his transgressions. He pleads with God to blot out his iniquity. He uses that word blot twice there uh, in this passage. And it's the same word in both verses. And that word for blot draws the picture of this indictment that has been filed against David. You know, an indictment is this legal document that holds the charges against a suspect. And so basically what David is saying here is he comes before God, he says, look, I know this indictment has been filed against me. David knows what the charges are, right? I mean, he says, everywhere I look, my sins are in my face. And so he knows what the charges are. And so he comes before God and he pleads that the writing on the indictment would be defaced. He asks God to take the appropriate fluid to the paper to totally erase the ink so that no record of what has happened will ever appear against him. And it is only because of God's great mercy and his unfailing love 
and his great compassion that this indictment can be erased in the first place. And so David goes before God and he pleads guilty and he asks God to blot out his transgressions, to blot out his iniquities. Now, there in verse 4, David says that his sin is against God and God only. And we read that and we might think to ourselves that David's a little out of his mind. I mean, how can David say that? He slept with a married woman, she's pregnant, and then he has the husband deliberately killed. So how can he say that his sin is against God and God only? You know, it's true that when we sin, sometimes our sin, it goes against our own bodies, or our, our sin goes against the church, or our sin goes against society, or our sin goes against others around us. I mean, there's no doubt that our sin hurts us and others. But first and foremost, all of our sin is against God. I mean, I want you to think of it this way. Here, here's what we have to understand about sin, all right? If we're going to plead guilty, here's what we have to understand. Sin always presents itself with a choice. Sin always presents itself with a choice. Am I going to love the sin more, or am I going to love God more? Now, it might be uncomfortable for us to think of it in those terms, right? Because, I mean, there are some of us in here, we don't like to think that we love something more than we love God. But this is the choice that sin always presents. Am I going to love God more, or am I going to love the sin more? I mean, when we sit at the computer and we look at pictures that we're not supposed to look at, or, or we watch videos that we're not supposed to watch, or, or we've had a, a sexual relationship with somebody that we're not married to, we love the pleasure that those things bring more than God. When we run people down all the time, we love the superiority that that allows us to have over people, that feeling, we love that feeling more than we love God. When we worry, somehow we love the feeling of the power of control that we're trying to have in our life more than we love God. When we lie, we love the, 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 the prospect of escaping the consequences of whatever situation that we're in more than we love God. When we get drunk, we love the escape from reality more than we love God. I mean, this is what sin presents to us. Sin, every sin is a test. It always presents a choice to us. Am I going to love the sin more? Or am I going to love God more? And David understood this. And so David goes before God and he pleads guilty of his sin. And, and so this is the first thing that we need to do to experience a breakthrough in repentance. We need to plead guilty. We need to come before God. And we need to rely on his mercy and his unfailing love and his great compassion. We need to come before him knowing that there is this indictment against us. That there are charges against us. And so the first thing that we have to do to have a breakthrough in repentance is we have to plead guilty. Here's second, the second thing we need to do. To have a breakthrough in repentance, we need to seek a cleansing. We need to seek a cleansing. So you plead guilty, you admit the guilt of your sin, but repentance doesn't stop there. In fact, let's go back to Psalm 51, and let's pick this up with David. Look at verse 7. David says, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. And so David's looking to be cleansed, isn't he? David's looking to have his life washed of his sin. He's looking to be restored. Now, this is an interesting uh, choice of words that David uses here. He says, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Now, you have to understand what that means in the culture that David was living in. You know, back in Bible times, there was this terrible disease called leprosy. And if you had leprosy, it was a very painful disease. It was a very painful disease physically, but it was also a very painful disease emotionally and mentally because here's what would happen. If you came down with leprosy, you were forced out of the community that you lived in. And you had to live in a leper colony. 
And nobody could get close to you. In fact, if you walked around and there were people around, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that people would know not to touch you. And so it's this very shameful disease. It's very painful physically. It's very painful emotionally. Now, get this. Back in Bible times, if there was somebody who had leprosy and then it was discovered that they didn't have leprosy, they always believed that that was a healing. They always believed that the only way that you could have leprosy and then not have leprosy is if God chose to take it away from you, if God chose to heal you. And whenever that would happen, whenever that healing would take place, they would take the hyssop plant and they would dip it in blood and they would sprinkle that blood on the person who's been, who's been healed, and that was all about restoring them back into community and cleansing them. And so understand what David is saying here. David has this deep realization of the sin that he's committed. And he believes that the only way that this sin can be taken away is if God takes it away. And so he's seeking to be accepted by God. He's seeking to be restored in his relationship with God. And so he says, cleanse me with the hyssop and I will be clean. And then he goes on and he says, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. In other words, David doesn't want any spots in his life. David wants his life to be without blemishes. David wants to be thoroughly clean and so he goes to God and he seeks this cleansing. Now, here's what I want to make sure you notice. You know, I mentioned just a moment ago about this indictment that's against David, and David knows what the charges are. And in the midst of all this terrible stuff that David does, he just goes straight to God. He goes straight to God to to have this cleansing. He goes straight to God to be forgiven. He goes straight to God to be restored. He goes straight to God to have this wall torn down that exists in his relationship with God. He doesn't run away from God. He doesn't hide from God. He just goes straight to him. And as you sit here this morning, I don't know what kind of holes you have in your heart. As you sit here this morning, I don't know what kind of self-perceived failures you have in your life. As you sit here, I don't know what kind of sins you've committed in your past. But here's what I want you to know. You can always go to God. You can always go before him. You can always go to him to seek a cleansing. You can always go to him to be restored. You can always go to him to be forgiven. You can always go to him to have the wall that exists in your relationship with him. You can always go to have that wall that's torn down. When you're ready to change your actions and you're ready to change your mind, then you can go before him and you can have more of him in your life. Because, you know, I think sometimes what happens if we're not careful is we run with this thought that I've done something that's just so bad that God won't forgive that. I've done something that's a part of my past that's just so huge that it's just built... It's built such a, a, a thick, high wall in my relationship with God that there's no way he can tear that down. And so we think there's nothing good that can come from going before God. There's nothing good that can come from seeking a cleansing. There's nothing good that can come from repentance. But you know what I read in the Bible? What the Bible tells me is that there's nothing good that can come without going before God. There's nothing good that can come without seeking a cleansing, without repentance. Look at what the Bible says. It says the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. John doesn't say the blood of Jesus purifies us from some sins. John doesn't say the blood of Jesus purifies us from most of our sins. John doesn't say the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sins except, and then lists out, no, he says the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. And so you can always go before God. In Revelation chapter 1, John writes, Jesus Christ loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. 
the Hebrews writer says, how much more then will the blood of Christ cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? In Ephesians, Paul says, now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And so here's what all this means, and then we're gonna move on. Listen to me very carefully. If you catch, maybe if you catch nothing else in this message, catch this one thing right here. Here's what all this tells me. You ready? God is not reluctant. God is not reluctant to cleanse you. God is not reluctant to forgive you. God is not reluctant to restore you. God is not reluctant to tear down the wall that exists in your relationship with him. You can always go before him. You don't have to run away from him. You can walk away from your sin and you can go to him and you can be forgiven and you can be restored and you can be cleansed and you can have the walls torn down that exist between you and him. He can give you a spiritual breakthrough this morning by purifying you through the blood of Jesus. And so to have a breakthrough in repentance, we need to plead guilty, we need to seek a cleansing, and then third and final, we need to desire a new heart. We need to desire a new heart. If you want to have a spiritual breakthrough and not a spiritual breakdown, then you've got to desire a new heart. Now go to verse 10 and let's finish the text off. Look at what David says. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And so David pleads guilty. And then he comes before God and he seeks a cleansing. And then he wants a change, doesn't he? He wants a new heart. He says, create in me a pure heart. He says, take the heart that's got all these holes. Take the heart that has all this terrible stuff. Take the heart that's got all these things that I've done. I've slept with this married woman and she's pregnant and I've killed her husband. Take my heart that has all that stuff and create in me a pure heart. Create in me a clean heart. You see, friends, understand this. Repentance is always about change it's always about change i said just a moment ago the very simplest definition of repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of action repentance is always about change it's not about saying i'm sorry that's regret and we're not talking about regret here this morning regret is just being sorry that i got caught for doing something right and so we're not talking about that we're talking about repentance we're talking about having a change as a result of walking away from sin we're not talking about just feeling sorry for what we've done you know, I've got a younger brother, Brian. He's two years younger than me. And so uh, during the summers, my, my younger brother, Brian, and myself, we would stay at home by ourselves while mom and dad worked. They worked outside the home, and so when school was out, uh, when we got to be old enough, we would stay there by ourselves during the summertime. And my mom and dad, they had a lot of rules that we had to follow when we stayed at home by ourselves. And one of those rules was that while they were gone to work and we were there by ourselves, we were not allowed to have anybody over inside the house. I mean, that was just, that was probably the number one rule. We couldn't have anybody else over. Well, guess what? One day we decided to break that rule. So we had a friend over and we grabbed a $10 bill off the counter and we got on our bikes and we rode out to the corner gas station and we bought a frozen pizza. It was a tombstone, by the way, because that's the only frozen pizza, right? I mean, I love those things. So we, we buy this tombstone frozen pizza and we buy three Cokes and we go home and we bake that pizza and we eat that pizza and we drink those Cokes. And when we're done, we get rid of all the evidence, right? I mean, we take the paper plates and the pizza wrappers and the Coke cans and all that. We take it out to the burn barrel that's out back behind the fence and we put all that stuff in the burn barrel and we set that stuff on fire and we're good to go the only problem was 
we didn't realize that we couldn't account for the $10 bill that was missing from the countertop. And so later on that night, my dad sets my younger brother, Brian, and I, he sets us down, and he looks at us and he says, Brad, Brian, he says, um, did you guys break any rules today? Now that's a trick question. Because we were known to break more than one rule usually every day. And you didn't confess to a felony if he had you for a misdemeanor, you know what I mean? And so I looked at him and I'm like, I'm kind of, you know, just shrugging like this. I kind of got this blank look on my face. And so my dad, he busts out in this parable. He says, suppose a father has two young sons. And while the father's out working in the fields, the two young sons take some money off the countertop, and the father believes that the two young sons have squandered it in wild living. And the father discovers what's happened when he gets home, and so now he's faced with what should happen to the two young sons. And so I ask you, young sons, what should happen to them? And after a few moments of silence, I looked my dad straight in the eye, and I said, as surely as the Lord lives, the younger brother must die. I didn't say that. But you know what? I wanted to. <laughs> but you know what, though? In that moment, I was just sorry that I got caught because I didn't follow the rules. Listen to me, friends. Repentance is not about regret. It's not about being sorry. It's not about following the rules. It's about change. In fact, uh, here's what somebody said. Listen to this. Repentance is an opportunity to be changed for God, not to be estranged from God. And so here's the good news. Whatever holes you have in your heart as you sit here right now, or maybe, you've, maybe there's been a time where you sat at the computer and you looked at pictures that you weren't supposed to look at or you watched videos that you weren't supposed to watch or you, you had a sexual relationship with somebody that you weren't married to. Or maybe you've run people down. Or maybe you've lied. Or maybe you worry. Here's the good news. You can go before God and he will take that heart that's filled with all those holes. He will take that heart that's filled with all that dark stuff and he will give you a new heart. He'll create in you a pure heart. He'll create in you a clean heart and the joy of your salvation will be restored to you. You will have a spiritual breakthrough. In repentance. He can fill all those holes in your heart and you can have more of him and you can grow deeper in him and he can tear down the walls that exist between you and him. Oh, by the way, I mentioned just a moment ago that Bathsheba was pregnant as a result of this. The baby that she had, it was a boy. And guess what happened? Nathan the prophet tells David before that story's all over, you know, David says that the, the rich man should, deserves to die. So Nathan tells David that before it's all over, the baby boy is going to die as a result of this sin. And guess what happens? The baby boy dies. Friends, you can go before God and he can and will give you a new heart. He can and will give you a clean heart. He can and will give you a pure heart. He can take care of the holes that are in your heart. He can tear down the walls that exist in your relationship with him. But he will not always stop the consequences of your sin. But you don't have to have a spiritual breakdown. You can have a spiritual breakthrough. 
by simply going before God and pleading that you're guilty, seeking a cleansing, and then desiring a new heart. Some of you will remember the message from John the Baptist. The, The message from John the Baptist was this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the way that John the Baptist is described, I can just see him out there, you know, he's been eating the locusts and all that stuff, and he's like, repent. I mean, I can just see him just shaking his fists and screaming at the top of his Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Some of you will remember why Jesus sent out his disciples. They went out and preached that people should repent. Some of you will remember what Peter says in Acts chapter 3. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repentance is this common message throughout the Bible. And you may sit here this morning and you need a time of refreshing. It comes through repentance. You can have a spiritual breakthrough. You don't have to have a spiritual breakdown. God can take care of the holes that are in your heart. He can tear down the walls. And you may be sitting here this morning and maybe you've thought, you know what, whatever it is that I've done, whatever that hole is in my heart, whatever that self-perceived failure is, whatever that sin is, it's just too great. God can't take care of that. He'll never forgive me for that. He'll never tear down that wall. Nothing good can come from coming before God. And I say nothing good will come until you come before God. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. This is an opportunity for you not to run from God. This is an opportunity for you not to hide from him. This is an opportunity for you to have a change of mind that results in a change of action. This is an opportunity for you to walk away from sin. This is an opportunity for you to come before him and to plead guilty, to let him know that you know what the charges are, you know what the indictment says, you know what those holes are in your heart. And to come before him and say, God, I want you to take these. I want you to take care of these holes. I want you to tear down this wall that exists between me and you. And I want a new heart. I want a clean heart. I want a pure heart. So the music's going to be playing here for just a second, and just in the privacy of where you're sitting, I want to give you an opportunity for a few moments to just go before God and to follow these steps that we've talked about here this morning. Just go before Him and plead guilty of your sin. Tell Him that you're ready to walk away, that you're ready to have a change of mind, that leads to a change of action. Go to him because he's not reluctant and tell him you want a new heart. So take a few moments to do that and then I'll close and we'll be finished today.
Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that purifies us from all sin. And we thank you, Father, that we're able to be in your presence as sinners, that we're able to come before you and to seek a cleansing from the sin that we admit that we have in our lives. And to know, Father, that you take care of those holes that are in our hearts, that you tear down the wall that exists between us and you, that we can be restored, that we can be cleansed and forgiven. Father, that we can have more of you in our lives, that we can grow deeper in our relationship with you. And I thank you, Father, that you're not reluctant to do those things. That we don't have to run away from you, that we don't have to hide from you, but that you actually want us to come before you. And so we thank you, Father, for the work that you can do in our lives. We thank you for the work that you can do in our hearts. We thank you, Father, that we can have a breakthrough and not a breakdown. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. We know that he's the one who makes all this possible. We thank you for his blood. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his willingness to give his life for each and every one of us. And we're grateful for this hope and this grace that you hold out to us this morning. So thank you for loving us. And we thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Maybe you've been running from God your entire life. And you have never surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You've never accepted what Jesus has done for you on the cross. That he took your place and took the punishment for your sin so that you'd be able to come before him. And you'd be able to make this decision to walk away from your sin. That he gives you an opportunity to have this pure heart, this this clean heart. That he has an opportunity for you to be cleansed. That you can be purified through the blood of Jesus. And so you've just been running from him your entire life. We want to give you an opportunity this morning to make the decision to have a relationship with him, to accept Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, to have this hope and this grace to just be poured out into your heart and into your life every single day. And so we're going to sing, and if that's a decision you want to make this morning, I invite you to just come and talk with me while we sing together. If you've already been immersed, you want to make RCC your home church, I invite you to come and talk with me. If you'd like, I mean, we spent a few moments this morning in just your private time going before God, but perhaps while we continue to worship and sing, you want to continue to do that. Or maybe you want to come up here and you want to kneel here as a, a, a symbol of repentance and submission to God and living the way that he wants you to live, that you've got this change of mind that leads to this change of action. Or maybe you'd like to just come and talk with me about something that's going on in your life. I'd love to spend some time just praying with you and for you. If you know somebody who needs the hope that can be found in Christ, somebody who needs a relationship with Jesus, take those go cards. You can fill those out and place them in the baskets while we sing and worship together. And so let's sing and worship. If you have a decision to make today, come and talk with me. If you'd like to come and, and kneel here in, in repentance, you can do that. If you want to come and talk with me, I'd be happy to pray with you about whatever it is that's going on in your life. Let's worship together.